Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. You know, I was thinking this weekend about a number of different things. And one of the things that popped up for me was, you know, what is it about the things that occur in my life, the situations, the people I meet that cast um, a lens on a new level of awareness and awakening? And then once I get that awareness and awakening, especially if it has to do with, let's just call it injustice, what do I do with that? Do I sit on it? You know, I have somebody here today, Kenneth James Moore, who is the author of Pieces of Wood. You're going to hear about Pieces of Wood. You're going to hear about what this is about, his passion, his purpose, um, his first novel. But it is, it is it is story. It's a story of atrocities. And why now? Why is this time in our world the time to bring things forward? Well, I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to have my very special guest talk about that. Kenneth, it's great to have you. Welcome. Thank you, Doctor. It's very kind of you to have me on your show. Um, I want to start with a question that's not so much about the book. Um, Sometimes we are, be, we are made aware. We're made aware of a situation. We're made aware of an injustice. We're made aware. I don't, I don't really know, have another word for it. But once we are made aware, there's a haunting, a commitment, a promise that hangs on to us. Pieces of Wood attained a number one best-selling status on Amazon. But I'm more interested in you and, and how this particular piece, this book, this information, this unveiling, this revelation, what is it that happened to you on the inside to say, I've got to write about this? Well, uh, frankly, that's a fascinating question. I appreciate <laughs> it very much. Essentially, I had made a promise to my mom when I was eight years old uh, that I would find what happened to her World War II brother, her youngest brother, with whom she was very close, um, <clears throat> who never came home from the war. So as I grew and mature and had the opportunities, uh, I was an investment banker, so I had the resources to, to try and do whatever I could. Uh, I also had an excellent education, so in the process of doing um, research in the international community. I was a poli-sci grad student at Georgetown, uh, undergrad ASU, and um, found that I had so many connections to my uncle that I had absolutely no awareness of on the surface. So um, 
I, I was pursuing my uncle uh, rem- uh, to try to figure out what happened to him. I mm. spent 27 years collecting data uh, as an investment banker. I traveled all over the country and interviewed people uh, for business purposes, but on a tangential basis, I would try to search, search and deal with and try to interview people that may have been in the, in the Pacific or more specifically in the Mariana Archipelago during World War II. So I, was, I had tons of data. I mean, I had a, a great assistant who, who took boxes of, of raw data and put it together for me in, in, in uh, three-wing binders uh, to help me actually convey these thoughts. But um, I happened upon a, a scenario where we, uh, um, while looking for my uncle, and I was told that on a, on a mountain in the uh, uh, on Saipan, uh, Matapacha, there was a, uh, a B-29. My uncle was a pilot in a B-29, although I knew from my research this could not have been him uh, nor his, his plane. But we thought that perhaps if we could research or see and identify uh, a remnants of a B-29 on, on, the, on ground, <laughs> on terra firma, it would be a lot easier than doing it at 80, as it turned out to be 80 feet of water um, off of another island in the Mariana Archipelago. So uh, we were exploring up there on Montepatru and then came across what was a big hole, a cavernous area. And I thought, well, you know, it, it was shot down. Okay. Uh, so I crawled into it. Well, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't the insides of a B-29. It was a, uh, a refractory oven, a human refractory oven, in essence, uh, where women were um, <clears throat> were barbecued, pardon the expression, in mass, and uh, um, later defined a nearby plaque, which identified uh, uh, 5,000 women were barbecued in this area uh, where this refractory oven and other ovens that had been broken down over the years uh, were, were located uh, on top of the mountain uh, in a very, very difficult area to reach, um, but uh, it was hidden well away uh, in, 19, in 1944. Um, and it, uh, yeah, that opened up a door that said, uh, oh my God, <laughs> uh, we're, we're walking on a, uh, on a killing field, a Japanese, Imperial Japanese killing field. And there was all sorts of remnants of human remains. Uh, not only in wow. the ovens, but as we as we walk. Wow! But uh, yeah, so it's. Uh, you know, I also had uh, um, 1981. I uh, I was I established a self defense for women course at the University of Maryland. Uh, I was a martial arts expert, and uh, I was very much taken by the fact that uh, uh, on TV commercials they're saying, "Oh, hey, reach into your purse and get uh, get a weapon or get some mace." Well. Excuse me, but as a, as a close combat expert, it's just, it's just so ridiculous that I decided to actually do something about it and had the, had the blessing of the YMCA in Maryland and uh, taught again at, uh, and taught uh, for a couple of years at uh, the university uh, for free because it, just, it was just something that really disturbed me. But then life went on and I became an investment banker and did all sorts of other stuff. But then, uh, you yeah, know tried to make that promise come to life from my mom. And so we're again up in Mount Tapacho, just going through the jungle and here is this big orifice. And mm. that was, that wasn't a B-29. Wow. 
I want to talk to you about this because, uh, you know, I've been asked a number of different times, and I want to get right to this question. I've been asked a number of different times, why do you do what you do, Pat, especially speak out against uh, against violence against women? Why do you yeah. speak out? Why have you, going back as young as you can go back, why has this been a thing for you? What did you see in your life? And today's conversation with you is not about me, but I want to really get to, you know, as, you know, I'm reading your book, um, and of course, you know, the historical background in this is absolutely incredible, especially about the research. Um, I think our listeners are curious about what you discovered, because my sense is what you discovered changed you, and it's also changing mm-hmm. readers. And so let's talk about what you discovered. And, you know, there were some things that I bet you expected to discover, but I bet there were other things you were like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Right? That's very true. That's very true. Well, again, seeing a, a killing field like this on top of a mountain was, uh, yeah, that was jaw dropping. Um, I was with some people who were very experienced uh South African Special Forces types, for example, and uh, Marines, U.S. Marines, uh, uh, South Korean rock Marines. Uh, but there was just two of us who came across this uh, this particular site. The other guys uh, investigated it for my directive after the fact, but there was just two of us um, who came across the site initially. And, yeah, it's... Uh, I think pieces of wood by novel I was really trying to get to, it, it, it must be seen as a warning to current generations. Yes. There is no room under the rug for anything more to be swept. Yes. We, we've kept this remarkable number of people. Now, we're not just talking about 5,000 women in a, in, a, in a refractory oven. We're talking about 18 to 20 million yeah. Chinese who were destroyed by the, by the Japanese. And 2.2 million underage girls that were that are so so labeled comfort women, right? Mm-hmm. No comfort for those women, I can assure you. And it's uh, that's just an abomination. I mean, yeah. no society can prolong itself or advance beyond its developmental years when one half of its population are subjugated to mean to view themselves as less than the other. You just it, it just has got to stop, and it. It needs to be seen. So I think what Pieces of Wood does, it, it sweeps it out from underneath the carpet. And you go, hey, look, look at this. This is as bad as it could possibly get. I mean, the, the abomination is just, it's so off the scope. And indeed, numbers, I, I, get, I get upset with always talking about numbers. But the reality is, people, when you hear numbers, you don't see the, the suffering. You don't see yeah. the pain. You don't the social upheaval that this kind of crap uh, develops or, yeah. or uh, the result of it is, is you know, how, how many how many people's lives had to be wasted and yeah. how many people and, and what social benefits could there have been had some of these people lived yeah and you know let's talk about this because you you really hit something that I'm really uh, focusing on right now first of all, when you talk about numbers, this is what I've learned as a researcher as well. 
you're only talking about the tip of the iceberg because what you can find that's obvious to the person is really a tip of an iceberg. Uh, Usually when we're talking about atrocities like this, the bottom of the iceberg or that part of the iceberg that is still under the water, it's under the water, but it can't be seen. And so we have to make a giant leap here to say what you discovered is a fraction of what may have happened. So let's just start with that. The second thing is, let's talk about the importance of this book and the journey you take us on, because this is multi-generationally affected. This affects somebody's psychological, so physical. I mean, this is something when, you know, a culture goes through this or cultures go through experiences like this, it you don't wake up one day and it's gone. You know what I mean, Kenneth? Sure, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So there's, there's no question about it. Yeah, World War II ended in 1945, but yeah. no, we still live in this path, and uh, virtually everything that has come, both positive and negative, uh, into our society today began in World War II, mm-hmm. or, or was an outcome of World War II. But it's just, it's so vastly, distur- I was referring to numbers, but yeah. you know, I can throw up 18 to 20 million Chinese, uh, 2.2 million uh, underage girls who became "quote unquote" comfort women. Yeah, uh, I can keep throwing out those kinds of numbers. I've done all all sorts of research, and you're absolutely right. It's like that iceberg; you just see the tip of it. But when you start digging down below it, and I use the analogy of you know sweeping out from underneath the rug, uh, still it's uh, mm. is horrific on an epic scale. Yeah, and my point is. This happened once. This wasn't in the eighth century in Europe. This <laughs> right. wasn't in. This wasn't uh, uh, Genghis Khan in in, in, uh, in the Asian community in what was that the twelfth century. This was the twentieth century. This happened just seventy some years ago, and it can happen again if it does. If it's not seen, it's not brought out from. I'm underneath the rug or exposed more from that iceberg uh, scenario. And, you know, if I might say this, let me ask you this, because even though it doesn't exactly um, mimic what you have uh, uncovered in the book, we are seeing atrocities of this nature everywhere. And you know what I mean by that is if we don't continue to make all of us aware Um, I'm really struck by a couple of things as I was reading this. One of the things I was struck by, you know, here in the United States, I don't care what your political party is, taking children, separating them from parents and locking them in cages, that doesn't sound... I mean, it doesn't matter what the country is. It doesn't matter what party you are. But just think about that. And I think that you are exposing something that becomes a baseline for us to say, we have to stop this, right, Ken? What would you love for people to do as a result of what you are revealing in the book? They have to say, we, we, we have to be transparent moving forward. There's just no... No time, no place, no no room, as I said once earlier. Underneath that rug, to, to keep putting crap under there, we yeah. have to say, this happened. This is what it was. This is the truth. And I think that's really what my, my uh, refer to, you referred to my journey, uh, and by the way, it's, Pieces of Wood is one of three in a, in a trilogy. Right. Uh, it, 
you're going to you're going to see more of what I uncovered mm-hmm. in the next two books. But um, yeah, it, it, we just have to we 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 have to can't stop pretending. We have to stop saying, "Oh, well, this wasn't as bad as it as it was." Hell, yes, it was. It's yeah, bad. yeah. And we mm. need that. Yeah, you know what? I uh, I I was talking to a friend of mine, and they said you keep talking about this this guy Victor Frankel, and you keep talking about him on air and saying that how that book was given to you, Pat, and that book changed your life. And mm. I said, yeah, I mean, read the book. It's a hard read. I don't suggest you do the audiobook version of it unless you you know you can take it. And you know, then the comment was, this couldn't have happened. It couldn't have been like yeah. this during World War II. Yes. And I'm like, yes. oh, what do you mean it couldn't? Yes. Just like your book. Yes, it did, this did happen. And it will happen again if we're not made aware. Right, Ken? Exactly that. That is the message behind Pieces of Wood. If we're not made aware of it, it can and will happen again. Mm. And from the fictional standpoint of my novel, yep. um, that's what Chapter 1 is about. It's mm-hmm. like... Oh, hey, these here's this woman, this uh, this this Christian zealot, and oh, she's doing these things, and all of a sudden she's shot right. by a sheriff. Yes. You're like what the hell, you know? Yeah. Um, rather than being captured and brought before a court of law, she's executed on a beach. Well, you know, it's real. That's just a, it's a step one in the process. You know, it's if the idea that uh, you know. Uh, uh, violence against women occurs in, in one thing, in one family, in one episode. Well, that's okay because it's going to go. It, it was just one. Bullsh- I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's going to escalate from there, and it always has. And here's an example of just how well it escalated, where millions of people are, are killed. You know, you and I probably, if we had more time, we could really talk this up. And we'll have to yeah. we'll have to think about it. One of the things that I latched on to, Kenneth, and I'm just going to say this, is I started to look at the statistics in the United States, state by state, and look at the statistics of women murdered by men in the United States. Just that number. I mean, there's a lot of other numbers, but I wanted to focus on that. I wanted to know, are women here being killed? Are they being shot? Are they being... The numbers, the statistics, and the states where women are being murdered by men in the United States of America, it's shocking. Um, I sent an email to one of the senators in South Carolina, and I said, my gosh, dude, uh, eleven. this is your 21st year in a row that your state has made it in the top 10, and that's not a good thing. So mm. I'm trying to figure out, like you, Maybe I, I'm not a writer, so writing a novel just wouldn't work for me. But maybe you carry the burden for us. Maybe you point out the atrocities. You know, maybe there is something here we could all be aware of. At least right now for me, I'm watching, you know, my friends, people in the Asian community being mugged on the street and they've done nothing. Yeah, exactly. I want to ask you one last question. How do we find out? How do we get a copy of the book? And I'd love to know your personal message, Kenneth. Well, um, well, that personal message, I'll address that question first, is simply, again, we have to move forward in a transparent fashion. We have to stop pretending things didn't happen 
because in fact they did. And they will happen again if it is not seen, if there is not put on display and fingers are pointed at it. It will happen again. And that's just, as you just indicated, the number of, of, of women killed in the United States alone. It's, it's outrageous. So, uh, yeah. in terms of where you can get the book, how about www.piecesofwood.net? Mm. Boy, I can't thank you enough, Kenneth, uh, for, first of all, writing this. Secondly, for making it a trilogy. And the last part I want to say to you is I hear your passion. I can hear it through your voice. I hear that you are keeping a promise. Now, I studied the consequences of broken promises for 10 years. So I will tell you that keeping Mm -hmm. a promise about this is critically important. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Thank you, Dr. It's a sincere pleasure. I think I need another cup of coffee now. Yeah. And I want to tell everybody, we're, look, this is a really short interview. Please go check out the book yourselves. You'll see why it is a bestseller. Um, When you sit down to read this book, I will guarantee you, you will be right there. You will be in the environment. You'll be in the conversations. You'll hear Frank say, you were lucky. So was Preston. And you'll know what that means. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Get empowered. Transformation Talk Radio. Have you ever felt like if you just had the right tools and resources, you'd be able to carve a path toward the life your heart is aching for? Guess what? You have everything you need inside you. I'm Natasha Ornedo, and I'm here to show you that your healing is in your hands. Tune into my show, Unlock the Healing Path, every second and fourth Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To learn more about me and my work, visit NatashaOrnedo.com. We figured by the time we turned 50, we kind of had life figured out, but we were not prepared for the realities of midlife. Tune into, and that's when I realized, the truth and comedy of midlife with me, Susan Dolce. And me, Leon Dyer, every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. You're not alone in these challenges, and sometimes you just gotta laugh. Find us at SusanDolce.com and LeonDyer.com. The truth is funny. Shift happens with monthly guest host, Karen Benton. Tune in for powerful conversations about health and wellness. Karen brings unique insights rich with humor and science to her discussions with experts in medicine, movement, psychology, spirituality, and so much more. Don't miss Karen on The Truth Is Funny every third Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Karen, visit KarenBetton.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our really, really, really good news segment. Look, are you thinking about how do I plan? How do I get to this stress-free zone? How maybe should I plan for that dream vacation again? Can it be relaxing? Can it be safe? Can it be all of the above? And what? 
financially rewarding. Yeah. Gabriel Flowers Raider joining me here today. Excuse me. <clears throat> Along with John Sellers, Bank of America rewards expert. We are going to really take this down to the bare bones so that you understand how you can get out there, have fun, and earn at the same time. This is the time. We've been indoors a lot and we're busting out. That's like a Diana Ross song. Hey, welcome to both of you. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I want to go, I'm coming out. That's what I want to be doing right now with that song right there. Just saying. Uh, Because I think we feel like that, right? Gabriel, don't we feel like that a little bit? Like, oh, my my gosh, right? Absolutely. You know, like, who doesn't deserve a stress-free vacation right now? I think we all do. And I think that the key to having that is to plan it ahead of time. So it seems obvious, but, of course, you want to make sure you have the schedule and the budget prepared so once you get there, you can actually relax. So, um, you know, a few things that I like to do is first plan out the itinerary. I sit down with my husband. You know, we think about what are some things we want to do once we get there? What are some fun activities for the kids? Where do we want to eat? And then we kind of build like a loose agenda, but we spread out the activities because, of course, you don't want to throw it all in the front or cram it all in before you leave. You also want to have that downtime and time to relax. And then if you have free time, you have an area of spontaneity as well. Say you get there and you find out about some new attraction that you didn't know about. You'll have a place to stick it in on the agenda. And then, of course, you know, the most important thing is to plan for it financially. So we have a, a dedicated travel fund, which is a savings account that can take care of all the costs mm-hmm. incurred. Yeah. Uh, l- listen, let me tell you about Gabriel a minute. Uh, here's what I love about having somebody like Gabriel on the show today and tag teaming it with John. You know, when I think about this mother of two, a lifestyle influencer, much more than that, somebody that is really at the heart, at the pulse of what people are feeling. And then what does Gabriel do? What she does is she connects with hundreds of thousands of people out there to help them jump up, step up, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're somebody that is just saying, I need a blessing of the stressing right now. That's what this is all about. Give me the blessing of the stressing right now. Whether it's fitness, whether it's getting out, whether it's staying in, that's why she's here today. Gabriel, thank you. And John, let's tag team this for a minute. Because here you are, you're saying, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, we can do all that. And how about earning a few bucks, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, it's important to have that travel budget and to do it ahead of time, right? Be specific about the dollar amount that you're willing to spend based on your destination. And if you map out all these purchases in advance, you can create a plan to maximize your rewards. And Savvy travelers know the key to saving money is layering all their reward options. And our research at Bank of America tells us most Americans aren't doing this. In fact, 62% Mm. are not doing it. So here's what you need to do, right? So think about all those travel providers you're going to engage with. The airlines, the hotels, the car rental companies, et cetera. They all have loyalty programs. They're generally free to join. They're going to give you 1% back. If not more, you should take advantage of that. Next, have a rewards credit card. This is really core to the strategy. Bank of America offers a a cash rewards card that gives you 3% cash back on your choice of six different categories, including travel. And then think about a banking loyalty program because at Bank of America, we have something called preferred rewards. 
And that gives our members a suite of benefits across their entire banking and relation and investing relationship. But in particular with credit card, it gives you up to 75% bonus. So what that means, Dr. Pat, is that 3% on travel can turn to 5.25% back on travel, right? So when I'm traveling or I'm making travel transactions, I'm generally earning rewards at least three different ways. So through the hotel, whether it's Marriott, through my cash rewards card, and then I'm getting a bonus on that because I'm a preferred rewards member. member. And if our listeners can emulate that, right, they can save a lot of money and and have a lot more flexibility. Yeah. I like to think about this in real practical ways, right? I'm a, I'm a kid from the projects in the Bronx. So let me just break it down. You're on vacation and there are five of you in a family and you're going out to dinner and you pull out that card and you use that card. And what you find out with the numbers you just gave to us, holy cow, I'm now getting maybe one of these dinners for free with that little bonus. So that's the way I like to think about it. It's it's like you're not just maximizing what you get back. You're optimizing and reducing your cost mm-hmm. by getting the reward. See, I'm all about cost avoidance. Just saying, Gabriel. Um, let's talk. <laughs> let's just talk about this because uh, I'm so glad you gave those numbers. I really am. John, thank you so much for that. Okay, now we got the numbers, Gabriel. Help me spend it. <laughs> Well, you know, while you're building that itinerary, think of everybody that's going on the trip, like involve everybody, get everyone's opinion and choose the destination as a family. So you want to make sure that nobody is bored on the trip, that there's something for everybody, whether it's a tropical getaway or a camping trip, you want to make sure everyone's happy, right? So the more people that can be involved with the planning, the better, (sighs) create a bucket list. We've all been stuck at home. What are some things that we haven't been able to do and we know we want to get done once we get there? So when you have that list, you can easily kind of go through it and think about all the other options, the meal options. Is there something for the picky eaters? Is there something for the, you know, the fancy dinners for adults? Like there's so many options, but the more people who have their hands in it, I think the better. I don't know. One of my friends, uh, uh, I think it was reading one of your posts or maybe one of your podcasts. I can't remember now. Uh, uh, but one of the things I loved about this is now you're bringing this message forward. Here's the way it turns into reality. And please, Gabriel, John, comment on this. So here we are. We're sitting in, in indoors. And you know at some point you could see now the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Would you both agree that we're seeing mm-hmm. kind of the light there, right, at yeah. the end of the tunnel? Absolutely. So you sit down with your family. You know you haven't taken a vacation. You know, you haven't spent that money on a vacation and you're sitting down and you're getting everybody involved and you're saying, okay, this is a vacation that didn't happen. Let's sit down and plan it. Where would you want to go? And you actually have a strategy and you learn some negotiating skills so that when the time is right, you've put a few bucks in your pocket and you now have a vacation, hopefully that will make everybody happy. I want to ask you this question now that I've done that. What should people really put at the top of their list? I'm ready to go now. I'm going to get out in the world, even if it's going out camping or what, it doesn't matter. What should we do to make sure that when I'm out there, I'm having fun, I'm spending, I'm spending smart and everybody's having fun and happy. John, why don't you start first? Cause you're going to talk about some money and then Gabriel's going to talk about the fun part. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned that, you know, our uh, people tell us, you know, they want to be able to track their, their finances while they're on vacation, especially their spending. Right. And what's really key there, Dr. Pat, is to make sure you have mobile access 
right? Make sure all the listeners out there should make sure they have access to their bank's mobile app before you go out on vacation. There's so much you can do with your phone, and from a banking perspective, it's really unbelievable. Bank of America has an industry-leading mobile app that gives you access anywhere, anytime, yeah. and it has some really, really cool features for travelers. I'll just name a few here. One is spending alerts, right, on your credit cards or debit card products. You can put a spending alert on balances or transactions that have come to your mobile and tell you when you've hit those. Uh, My Rewards is a destination point for all things rewards. You can see what you've earned. You can see what's available to take take advantage of. There's a geo indicator there where we'll tell you offers and deals that are near you. And we even have Erica, which is our new uh, award-winning AI-driven virtual assistant. So if you're on that trip to Orlando and it's a seven-day trip and you're a, you're at day five and you're worried how much you're spending you've, been done, you've, you've done, you can just go to Erica and ask them for your transactions over the last five days. And voila, it's right there. So I had no idea. Key on the go. I had no idea about Erica. Yeah. And, and I'm embarrassed uh, because why I should know about Erica for my own personal reasons. So I'm going to be all over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also have mm-hmm. to step back a little bit with uh, Gabriel and just get the Gabe fix here because been sitting around a little too much, not moving that body. Not getting anything going on here. We got to get it going on because I'm not going. To, I'm not going on vacation, Gabriel, and just being like, okay, I got to do something about this. Um, look, all kidding aside, we really do want to get back into the fun zone. We really do, but we don't have to get back in the fun zone to start being in the fun zone. Now, talk to us about look what you've heard, what you have, what you're doing to help people. Step into the stress-free zone now. What is it? Of course, people can follow you. They can watch what you're saying. But I want to know your secret mm-hmm. because you have tapped in to an amazing array of ways to help people rise up. Uh, well, thank you for that. You know, I think that if we can all just take advantage of the time we have now and maximize the time we have now, we would all be in a good place, wherever that is. Maybe you're not able to take the trip right now, but Mm. you can go somewhere, you know, local. You can have a vacation somewhere. You can get out and enjoy the weather. Thankfully, it's, you know, getting better now. So you can go out there. You can move your body. Like, that's a lot of things that I teach women in the game fix is how to take care of their body so they can be prepared and be there for their family um, and have the fun that we all deserve to have. Yeah, um, I want to before we jump ahead, I'm going to ask you for your last thoughts. But I want to I want folks to know how they can find out more about what we're talking about today, how they can find out more about each of you. Uh, John, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, Bankofamerica.com backslash preferred rewards or just go to Bankofamerica.com. And in the search bar, you can type in cash rewards, preferred rewards, life plan, anything we've talked about. Awesome. Uh, Gabriel, how about you? Um, you can check me out at Gabe Babe TV. You can search that on Google or on YouTube, and it'll all pop up, and you can keep up with me and my family. Uh, and I just want to clarify for those of you that are starting to ping me right now, I just want to say to all of you, no, I didn't make that up. That was real, what I said. The Gabe, <laughs> the Gabe fix was real. That wasn't just like a thing I yes. said. That was real. And you can go find out. For each of you, this is my last question for each of you. You've learned a lot during this time, or you wouldn't be here with us. You've learned a lot. I want to start out with you, uh, Gabriel, if I can. In what you've learned over this time, what are your top two aha moments for people? And John, you get to think about it longer, but Gabriel, go ahead. (laughs) 
Oh, uh, really good, uh, really good questions. I think over this last year, if anything, it's just taught me that time is is precious. Mm. You don't know how much of it you have. You don't know when something can change within a blink of an eye. So I think if we would live as authentic as possible and make the best of every single day, love on your family, love on your friends, like, you know, don't take things for granted. I think those are the biggest things that I've learned over this past year. Mm, so important, isn't it? Wow. So important. Mm-hmm. John, for you, and please mention Erica yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, uh, it's, you know, definitely living uh, with my, all my family here, you know, in a, in a confined environment has had its stresses, but it's also had a, a ton of pros. So just getting to, to know either, you know, each other at a, at a, at a deeper level, I think has been a big aha. And then just, general flexibility, right? Before we all said, you know, you had to go here and work or you had to do this. But now we realize there's so many more flexible ways to accomplish, whether it's work or play or all these kinds of things, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, you can be more creative in the future. And can I just comment, and I don't usually do this, but I do want to comment mm-hmm. on, on, on each of you. First of all, um, I want to thank you all at Bank of America for really making some changes and really up-leveling what you all have done for those of us that really haven't been able to drive to the bank and go to the window, you know, providing a portal for businesses like mine where you can pay people online and do so many things. I mean, I, I mean that's another show that I will do to talk about how my business got saved because of so many of those things. And and Gabriel, for you, look, uh, I wasn't kidding about the many ways you're reaching out to people, but you're reaching out in a real way. You know, you are, I think, touching the hearts of so many people. And I got to say, I'm all over some of the recipes you got on that website. Oh, my <laughs> goodness, that white bean chicken chili, it is to die for. Um, Thank you. It's so good, right? Oh, my gosh. It is. I'm just like, uh, she's giving away the store here by telling everybody. I want to thank you both. And I want to bless you both for doing what you're doing and helping so many people rise up again and live a perfect life, the life they desire. Thank you both for today. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Dr. Pat. And uh, so this is just a snippet. Please, everybody, go to the websites. Check it out. There's much more. And I'm all over it. Plan. It doesn't have to be a gigantic vacation. Plan outings. Plan it. Get people involved and get some money back. We'll take a short break. We'll the be right Dr. back. The Dr. Pat Show. The Dr. Pat Show. The Dr. Pat Show. This is it. The energy of heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind, love-to-love. These are the questions that people have and rarely state. When we have an internal transformation and we see things differently, what does it mean to step into the full nature of being a spiritual being? How am I to be? This is it. Every day, you have to do something outrageously positive. It is so absolutely relevant Because what I've seen in humanity, despite what's in the headlines, I'm so struck by the heroes that have come forward. I'm just absolutely in awe. The idea generators and superheroes. All of you, you are the best listening audience in the world, and we are bringing it in 2021. When was the last time you had that feeling that you knew something, but you couldn't explain how you knew it? How powerful would it be for your life and business if you could consciously tap into that magic within you? 
What if you could remember that there's something supernatural about you? Tune in to Absolute Alignment with Christelle Biga when success feels easy. Every first and third Friday at 1.30 p.m. Pacific, 4.30 Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to our good news segment. You know, I've been waiting for a conversation like the one we're going to have right now. Let me tell you why. I'm a kid that grew up in New York City. And I do believe the only reason I did not get into serious amount of trouble, end up in jail, or doing some crazy stuff was because of the activities that were outside of the classroom. I'm talking about music. I'm talking about art. I'm talking about how to be creative. And I thought, wow, we had lost this. But I have hope now, thanks to Candy Wilder and Ava Betancourt. Today, joining me here today. Why? Because they didn't lose hope. They didn't lose a vision. They didn't give up their creativity uh, in the middle of a pandemic. They just didn't do it. So how the performance of a lifetime took place, how did that happen? For one middle school drama club, how did they do that? And how did they get creative bringing what I said a bunch of years ago to modern day technology? I got to say, hooray for them. Candy, Ava, great to have you here. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you, Dr. Pat. Um, look, it, I'm not kidding. If it wasn't for the involvement back in the day of arts and creativity, I honestly know I wouldn't be on this planet. Candy, let me start with you. Um, you are on the front lines. That's where you are. You're a drama teacher. Uh, your students love you. COVID-19 comes. And here you go. I want to know what was going on in your mind and what was going on in your heart. Uh, you know, so it started back last March. We had, uh, we were right in the middle of our big school performance. We were about to uh, go on stage. We had our costumes. We had our sets. We were ready to go. And uh, the school let us, informed us that uh, on a Friday that we probably weren't coming back on Monday. And we didn't. We didn't come back the rest of the year. And then we were told that we would be, uh, you know, uh, distance learning all through next year. So um, I think at that point, my brain was just kind of scrambling, going, oh, no, we're a performing arts department. We do theater. We do live performances. And uh, now my students aren't going to have those opportunities. And so, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I was pretty heartbroken at the time. And uh, seeing my students, you know, isolated and seeing them, uh, you know, getting lonely and they were starting to withdraw a little bit, you started to see a little bit of that light leave their eyes and, you know, the excitement start to dwindle. Yeah, that has got to be the worst feeling in the world for a teacher. I, I, I mean, really, I mean, it's one of those things where you have made a commitment to yourself and to the lives of others to bring to them a vision and education and a future. Uh, and so, well, look, Ava, let me ask you the same question, because I think that we are talking about both. We're talking about what is it like to be in a driver's seat? What is it like to be the car? And so what was in your heart and mind? Well, when everything was shut down, it was really sad because I was so excited to be in the musical. And I don't want to say that I lost 
the passion, but I definitely wasn't as driven because we had lost almost everything that we were doing. So I was really upset, and like Ms. Wilder said, I was really heartbroken about it. And my brain just couldn't believe it. I was just, there was no way they could close the entire school district, but they did. And it was for a good reason, I guess, but we still lost a lot, so. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times, um, I'm like you, I'm like you both. I am, of course, the host of the Dr. Pat Show, but I'm the owner of the Transformation Network. You know, this is a network bound to launch 10 channels in the next 12 months. And that's why I ask you that question, because I know what was in my mind and what was in my heart. But here's the most important thing for all of us. You didn't give up. You didn't stop. You didn't, you know, what is it? The agony of defeat. And Candy, I want to get back to you. Because once you get to that heartbreak and you look at what is at stake, what then kicks in for somebody like you that says, I got to do something here? I think mostly for me, I needed my students to continue that creative outlet. My heart lies in theater. I, I love theater and I know that my students are the future of theater. And what's at stake for us if these extracurricular activities go away is, is we lose our future. Yeah. We lose that creative spark that's going to drive us forward. Let's talk about the end game. Let's talk about what happens when you bring together creative people. Let's talk about what we are really talking about today is putting this creativity to drawn closer. Ava, tell us about it. Tell us about that and tell us about your character. Well, Drawn Closer is the story about a middle school's opening night of their play, and everything's going wrong, and the star of the show is at home with a broken leg, and so everyone's really working together to find creative ways to include the star in the play, even though she's not with them, which is basically what happened with us, because we weren't together, but we got to put on a performance, even though we were apart. And my character is the director, so... The director is persevering, problem solving, trying to keep everyone positive and sane. (laughs) (laughs) I got to ask you, what did you learn from that role in in what you're going to enact in your life? (laughs) I don't know. I think that I learned that I really enjoy what I'm doing and I think that I can be kind of a good leader in that. You know, working with the people who share your passion really helps you to realize what you enjoy. Mm. Look, Candy, I want to ask you this question, too, because 10 years ago when we were building the network, we put a lot of emphasis in technology. We had no idea where we would be today with technology, but it was really important to really build an infrastructure of a network that was going to have technology that could distribute positive talk to hundreds of networks. We now know how important that decision was. How important was it and what was your experience of, of working with Patrick, Patrick Osborne, and working with slash creativity and technology? You know, it wasn't something, I've been a drama teacher now for 11 years, and it was nothing like I ever imagined. I, you know, I never saw myself uh, helping my students get into voice acting as much because we everything we did was live and on stage. You know, the, the technology we were utilizing was, you know, projection design in the back. But um, when they, when uh, Cox Communications 
uh, asked us if we would be uh, wanting to do a, a animated production, I just was floored. I was so excited. I can't even tell you what it was like to uh, see the, them work in, in this new creative way. Um, Patrick Osborne was a surprise for us. We didn't know that uh, we were going to be working with this, uh, you know, Academy Award-winning director. I was a big fan of his before, and when we first went to that first rehearsal, they were like, here's Patrick Osborne. I was like, oh my goodness, this is the guy who created Feet. Uh, this is like a huge experience for my students. So it, it went from exciting to just completely mind-blowing. I could see you smiling even though I can't see you smiling. That's what I love about doing these. That's what I love about these conversations. You, you know, it's so important. We're really carving out a future. We're carving out a new way. You see, we may be talking about one thing here, but it's not one thing. It is a discovery. It's an innovation. It's going to transform the lives of how many schools around the world. Ava, I want to ask you this question because, you, you know, I, I am a kid that grew up stuttering. And, you know, if you wanted to see the most scary appearance on stage was me in the play Oklahoma as a kid that stuttered. The good news is I had a great director, a great teacher that coached me through it. I sit here today being able to speak almost without stuttering. I want to ask you this. This experience changed the trajectory of your life, I do believe. How do you see your life now differently? as a result of this experience, or maybe not? I do see my life differently now because when everything shut down, I didn't see anything like this ever happening. So now I'm really invested in what I'm doing, and I can finally say that this is some. – I'm so excited that this is getting back to normal. Mm. And, you know, it's it changed my life, yeah. Mm. Uh, i gotta, I got to stay with you for a minute, Ava. Um, I love being able to help other people like me that didn't get a shot at being out in the world with their message. What are your thoughts about doing interviews like this, spreading the word and helping others do the same? I really, I really do enjoy it because spreading the word means that you can tell people that there are ways to be together even when you're apart. And something that Ms. Wilder says all the time is that you can find ways to be creative even in a pandemic. So it's really important mm. to share that there are ways you can find to be together and be creative. Yeah. Well, I love this. I'm, you know, I know we have a few minutes left, but before we do candy, I, I want to make sure people know how they find out more about Drawn Closer, how they can watch, how they can tap in. Let's give folks a lot of information. Can you do that, Candy, if you don't mind? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's very easy to find out more information about this project. Uh, it's just cox.com slash Drawn Closer. All right, Candy, this is for you. 11 years. Teaching drama, right? That's Here right. you are. You get a transformative experience in your expertise, right? Same question. Right. How is this going to change the way you go about things moving forward? You know, uh, now I know that the sky's the limit. There's nothing that can hold us back. At, at first, when the pandemic hit, I was... Uh, very nervous about how we were going to continue with the arts. And now, you know, it doesn't seem like those boundaries are quite so confining anymore. It seems that there are ways that we can 
expand and there are mm-hmm. ways that we can grow and, and theater is going to grow with it. And that's a really exciting platform for me because, you know, you hear talk about people saying we need to get rid of the arts and schools oh. and things like that. And, and now this has just given us a way to say, hey, no, we're growing, we're evolving, we're changing with the times and uh, students need these extracurriculars. I got to tell you, every time I hear a conversation or a news headline about getting rid of the arts, I mean, I'm a kid from the Bronx that somehow got to play the viola and ended up in an orchestra, most unlikely to do that. And I want to ask you this question, and this is for both of you, really. I know we only have a few minutes left. You know, I want to talk about the notion of expression and connection in middle school students. I want to talk about this because if we've learned one thing from the pandemic, we've learned that that expression and connection is more important than we ever imagined. When you hear that, Candy, what do you think about doing, changing? What do you think about getting fired up about? You know, I think that that is a really great point, Dr. Pat, because this whole idea that we are connected, that we're connected through creativity, and it's not necessarily all in academics. Uh, I think that really drives me forward as a teacher, uh, because I know now my passion is something that is needed. It's something that I can keep uh, encouraging my students, and it's not just one of those things that the kids do off to the side. You know, they're not just doing those plays, but that they are being able to express themselves creatively, that they are able to uh, make those connections and, and live other lives through the stage. And I just, I find that that has really uh, inspired me to become a better teacher even. Uh, Ava, I've got to ask you the same question because you are the future, right? And uh, you just now got to experience this almost two sides of the same coin. You know, the loss of expression, the loss of connection. So we had that experience. But then you got to flip it over and step out and be part of something that probably is saving the lives and fueling the hope of so many children, so many kids. And I want to ask you, what gets you fired up about looking at your future and continuing to make sure that we have these opportunities? What fires me up is that I know that now there are ways to be creative. So I know that I can continue to do what I'm doing, even if something tries to stop me. Uh, it makes me so excited that I can continue. I know that I can continue doing this because of what we've experienced now. Wow. I, I got to thank you both. I know you've got to run. I've got a million other questions, but I don't want to take up any more of your time. Again, Candy, let people know how they can find out more about this. And, and also, Candy, what's your personal message? Ava just gave hers. What's yours? Uh, my personal message is just keep doing what you're doing. Share your talents. Keep theater alive. Keep art alive in schools because it's our students are our future. And mm. I just want to say that, you know, creativity thrives even in a pandemic. And they can watch Drawn Closer, correct? Yes. You can watch Drawn Closer by going to cox.com slash Drawn Closer. Uh, and please go out there and Google this, everybody. You'll get a chance to meet Ava, a chance to meet Candy, and a chance to really share what it's like to not give up on our kids. Take a short break. We'll be right back. Thank you. 